Well, hey, good morning. Good morning, Crosswinds family. It's good to see you. Once again, my name is Albert, and uh, I serve as a superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene in Northern California. I get to work with 92 amazing congregations that worship in 18 different languages, including uh, English and Spanish and Chinese and Korean, Hindi, uh, Samoan, Indonesian, Tagalog, and even uh, Haitian Creole. Uh, these are uh, some of our pastors up on this screen here. You can see it's incredibly diverse and, uh, might I say, pretty good-looking group. Uh, and helping uh, 92 churches navigate through a global pandemic is probably like the hardest thing uh, that I have ever done. Um, we did not train for that in seminary. The, uh, the majority of our churches are small. Uh, there are less than 100 people. Uh, many are less than 50 people. Um, last week, I was preaching in a church that had 10 people. Uh, it, was, it was running more than that before the pandemic, but the pandemic has really impacted us. Uh, most of our churches have no support staff. Uh, it's just the pastor, and they didn't have any experience uh, doing online church. In fact, before the pandemic, as we got started, uh, experts were predicting that uh, one out of five churches would close permanently as a result of the impact of COVID. Um, now, by God's grace, our churches have weathered this uh, storm incredibly well. In fact, over the past year, we have planted five churches, uh, five new churches during this time, but it has been tough and our pastors are exhausted. So if you know a pastor, see a pastor, please give them an encouraging word. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Uh, we are not really sure what the next few months are going to look like as our churches begin uh, to reopen. Are our people going to come back? Are they going to participate in all the things that they did before? Will they serve? Are we all still on board? We don't really know yet. Um, because uh, the pandemic has changed us. Right? It's changed us, like, like uh, the, the Great Depression, or World War II, or 9-11. This is one of those life-altering, watershed events that's going to impact the way that we think, and the way that we act, and the, the way that we relate for years to come. And one thing is very clear, the pandemic has changed what we are willing to do with our time. Our time has become a very valuable resource, and a lot of us have appreciated the opportunity to spend more time with our families, work from home, all of these things. So there's kind of a renegotiation that's happening in our culture uh, with what we're willing to do with our time. And even before the pandemic, church attendance has been on decline uh, for years. Only 47% of Americans belong to a church now. Now, that's, that's, they say they belong to church. That doesn't mean they go to church, right? Um, and that's down from 70% in 1999. In other words, that's a 33% decline in just 20 years. Something is shifting. Now, the Bay Area has one of the least uh, church-going populations in the country. 61% of our neighbors uh, have not attended church at any time in the past six months. This was before the pandemic. Uh, we also have the highest percentage of de-churched people. That's people that did go to church but made a conscious decision to stop 
attending. 48% of our neighbors belong to that category. 14% of our neighbors have never been to church. Only 3% of our neighbors in this area actively go to church regularly. Just 3%. And again, that was before the pandemic. And over the last year, one in three practicing Christians, not nominal Christians, not the people that come on, on you know, just once a year, practicing Christians, one in three, stopped going to church altogether, whether it was online or in person. So the pandemic has changed what we're willing to do with our time. Now, Jesus said that uh, there are some people who hear the word of God and at once they receive it with joy. They get very excited. But they're like seeds that are scattered on shallow ground and they have no roots. And so when things get tough, they fall away. And if you're here today, if you're watching online, you are among a shrinking group of people, a shrinking community of people that still believe that being part of a local church is worthwhile. It's worth getting out of bed. It's worth uh, getting dressed, or at least your top half, right, if you're on Zoom and, uh, and your camera's on. Uh, it's, it's worth getting your kids fed and out the door and driving to church and finding a parking spot and spending an hour or two with your, your church family, uh, being part of a small group during the week. That's still important to you. You did not fall away. You didn't walk away during this time. But uh, maybe you got a little comfortable over the past year, uh, sleeping in on Sundays, um, worshiping from home, doing uh, other things uh, while the pastor is speaking, you know, giving the sermon, or skipping it all together. Now, I'm not judging, okay? I get it. We have four kids. I know how hard it is um, to, to, to go through that each week, and sometimes we get comfortable. And Jesus says that happens, right? Sometimes he says we get distracted by life's worries or the pursuit of wealth or the pursuit of pleasure. And he says, as a result, we fail to bear fruit. Nothing really comes from our faith when we're in that place, we're in that, that just kind of comfortable place. But then he says, there are some people who hear God's word and uh, they understand what God is saying and they follow through. They follow through. And uh, Jesus says, those people produce much fruit, a lot of fruit. They give back 30, 60, 100 times what God has invested in them. And they are a gift. They are a blessing. They are a living example of the power of Jesus to transform lives. And so as we come out of this pandemic, this is a good time to reflect on, well, what, what kind of soil are we? Um, it, it's a good time for us to reconsider our relationship with uh, Jesus and with the church. The church is called the body of Christ. We are called the bride of Christ. We are called the people of God. And so today, I want us to think about two questions. Number one, why come to church at all? Why come to church at all? Now, a lot of people asked this question during this past year and decided there was no compelling reason to keep coming. Why do we come at all? What is God's heart for the church, and why is being part of a faith community so vital to our well-being and to our witness in the world? And secondly, why come to this church? 
Why come to this? What is it about what God is doing at Crosswinds and through Crosswinds that makes you say, I want to be a part of that? And as someone who's not part of this local church, um, but is a fellow brother uh, in the Lord and a a servant of Christ, um, I want to share with you why I think that Crossroads plays a very important role in what God is doing in the Bay Area and beyond, and how you can be a blessing to your sister churches. And there are hundreds of them that are all working to share the good news of Jesus with our neighbors. So today I want to invite you to re-up as a follower of Jesus and as a member of his body, the church. Now, the word re-up is military slang for re-enlisting. It means to renew your commitment, to raise your hand one more time and to say, Jesus, whatever you're doing, I'm in. And this was a, a, a regular feature of the life of the people of God in Israel. From time to time, they would renew their covenant relationship with God. And this is a good time for us to do that. And some of you might just be starting to explore uh, Jesus, or, or maybe you're coming back to church for the first time in many years, and I want you to know that this message is for you too. Um, I want you to know that being part of a local church a place where you and your family can grow in faith is absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. So let's talk about that first question. Now, before uh, we answer the question, why do we come to church, we need to talk about the gospel, a word that literally means good news because the gospel is our foundation. The gospel shapes our identity. It's the message that we have to share with this world. It it informs our purpose. Uh, And a church without a gospel, a church without a gospel is a church that has nothing to say and nothing to offer. And so we begin with the gospel. What is the core message of the Christian faith? The gospel of Mark begins with these words, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then 14 verses later, Mark records that shortly after his baptism, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And he says this, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. Believe this gospel. The kingdom of God has come near. What does that mean? Well, it means that a world is coming in which everything that is wrong in the world will be made right. A world is coming where there's going to be no more pain and no more uh, suffering, no crying, no more hunger, no more hate, no more greed, no more crying, no, no racism, no prejudice, no violence, no war. A world is coming where there's no more sickness, there's no COVID, there's no cancer, there's no death. And everybody is going to be in perfect and loving relationship with God and perfect and loving relationship with each other. God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, everything is going to change. And, in, and Jesus says, in fact, 
It's already begun. It's already begun. Now, that is good news. That is really good news. Because imagine if the message of Jesus was, you know, life is really terrible here on earth. It is a mess. Evil and violence and suffering and death. It's awful. Just awful. But you know what? Hang on tight. Believe in me. And when you die, I'm going to whisk you away to a better place. I'll see you in 40 or 50 years, okay? In the meantime, good luck. Or I might see you next week because, you know, you never know, right? Anything could happen. No, the gospel is so much better than that. It's so much better than that. Jesus didn't just come to die for our sins so that we could go to heaven one day. He came to set us free from the grip and the, 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 the stain of sin in our world so that we can experience heaven on earth now, today. The gospel is not just that there's life after death. It's that there is life before death. There's life before death. On one occasion, Jesus said to his disciples, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. In Revelation 21.5, Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus is making all things new, beginning with us. That's the good news. That's the gospel. This is why Jesus came into the world. It's why he went to the cross. It's why uh, he rose from the grave. This is why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. This is why he commissions us to share the good news and invite people into God's family. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news, this gospel. The gospel is our foundation. And a church that is rooted in and exists for and is committed to this gospel is the kind of church that can change the world. So, if that's true, then how does that change my motivation for being here? Why come to church? Well, first, I want to clarify what the word church means and what it does not mean. The English word church in our Bibles comes from the German word kirche, which means house of the Lord or house of God. And it literally means a building. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible translation. <laughs> because in the original Greek in the New Testament, we see, every time you see the word church, it's actually one of two different words. The first one is the word ecclesia. And ecclesia means to call. It, it is used to describe uh, an assembly of people. It doesn't have to be spiritual, but it's an assembly of people that have been called out for a particular purpose. And the operative word here is purpose. A group of people without a clear purpose is just a crowd, just a random crowd. But the church is an ecclesia. We have been called together by God for a purpose, to follow Jesus, to carry out God's work in the world. That's why we meet together for worship and instruction and fellowship and serving people. In other words, we come because we understand that Jesus did not only come to rescue us, he also came to recruit us. He came to recruit us. 
When Jesus called the first disciples, those of you who are familiar with the story, he said, come follow me and I am going to send you out to fish for people. And notice he didn't start the conversation by, here's what I'm going to do for you. He started with, here's what I want to do through you. He gave them a mission. He gave them a purpose. And they dropped what they were doing, and they followed Jesus. And that is my story. As uh, Chris was sharing with you, I was a pop singer, believe it or not. Seriously, it was another life. This is before I was a Christian. I went to Taiwan to pursue a career as a, as a, as a pop singer because I thought, that's easy to do, right? I got nothing to do this summer. I'll go be a pop singer. I don't know what I was thinking. I was 24 at the time, which is super old. They want you when you're like 15. So I went there. I didn't know anybody. I started knocking on record companies' doors and said, oh, my name's Albert. I, I'd like to be a pop singer, please. And they're like, who the heck are you? Right? But, you know, I ended up having some success and met some really interesting people. And, uh, but I was miserable. I was miserable because it's a very dark industry. And my wife, Christine, is actually the one who led me to Jesus. And when Jesus got a hold of my life, when I understand what Jesus wanted to do in this world, and God was saying, I want you to be a part of that, I, I dropped my music career. That was not what I wanted to do anymore. I said, I'm going with Christ. And so I understand what this feels like. When Jesus calls you out and gives you a mission and says, come with me, let's change the world together, I would have been a fool to say no to that. Now, a lot of people came to Jesus looking for something. They wanted to be healed. They, they, wanted, they wanted Jesus to lead a rebellion against, a violent rebellion against the Romans. They wanted Jesus to, to serve their agenda. And the same is often true today. People come to church, they're looking for something. They, they're looking for a little hope, a little inspiration, a little comfort to get them through the week. Uh, they they want to be healed. They want to be blessed. And that is natural. I am not criticizing that. That's natural. We, we intuitively go to God when we are in need. Even agnostics do that. And God knows that. And God wants us to come to him with our questions and our burdens. He designed us for that. Because God loves us. But we are an ecclesia. We have been called together for a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. And that purpose is to advance the kingdom of God to join Jesus in the renewal of all things and to make earth look more like heaven, a little bit more like heaven every single day. To preach the gospel, to make disciples, to extend the love of Jesus to our neighbors. And to fulfill that purpose, I need to be here. I need to participate. I've got to show up. Now this is a kirka. Okay, that's a kirka. This is an ecclesia. This is an ecclesia. That's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who, don't forget, was a Baptist preacher marching for civil rights with an ecclesia, a group of people called out for a purpose. And Dr. King and others like him were on a mission from God. And so the church is not a building. We are a people with a purpose. Okay, so that's the first word, ecclesia. The second one is the word koinonia. Now, this word doesn't really have an English equivalent. It means communion or sharing or participation or fellowship, and it describes the kind of life that the ecclesia is supposed to experience, what's called the fellowship of believers. Now, fellowship 
A lot of people think fellowship, and they think, let's go to Denny's for lunch after church. Let's fellowship, right? That's not what this word means. Um, it's not even uh, having a Bible study together in your house. That's not koinonia. Fellowship in the early church meant that Jews and Gentiles, people who had been enemies for centuries, had become one in the body of Christ. They broke through thousands of years of separation and came together as sisters and brothers. In other words, koinonia is not about eating. It's about who you are eating with. It's about friends who now, uh, enemies who have become your friends, who have become your family. And so when we eat with people who look and think and act only like us, that is not koinonia. That is not the church. The church is a diverse global body of believers who often have nothing in common except that we love and we serve and we follow Jesus. We've been transformed and sent by Jesus. So this is a kirka. Again, a building, right? This is a koinonia. These are some of the beloved people that used to belong, uh, uh, who are at the church that we used to belong to. Um, and, and you can't tell, because we kind of all look similar, but there's a lot of um, Hispanics and Latinos mixed in with, uh, with, with the Asians that are in that group. And that's because that's what our city looked like. We intentionally wanted to be a place where people of all cultures could come together. A, a, a koinonia is a sacred and a holy family. That's why I called you Crosswinds family this morning, right? We, uh, have, it means that because we've been reconciled to God, we are committed to being reconciled to each other, and that takes work. It means that we commit to doing life together for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, no matter what. And it means that we refuse to vilify each other. We refuse to gossip about one another. We refuse to engage in petty arguments. We don't allow ourselves to become divided over politics. We work it out. We work it out. We listen to each other with respect and compassion and grace. We accept one another. We share our material goods with one another. We give of our time and our money. We, we suffer together. We don't abandon one another. And so the church is an ecclesia, and it's also a koinonia. We are a people with a purpose who are deeply committed to one another. Why do we come to church? We come to church to be a family on mission together. We come to practice all of those one another commands that we see in the New Testament. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Care for one another. Pray for one another. Uh, show hospitality to one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. We come to do all those things and practice. Because Jesus says that we, uh, and uh, Paul says, I'm sorry, we do all of these things because we are, in a very real sense, members of one another. He writes in Romans, In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Just like we, we heard in that song today. We belong to each other. Elsewhere, he says, You are the body of Christ. Every one of you is a part of it. You're all part of it. Now, I love I love that Crosswinds is located on a former farm. 
I love this campus. I, I love the way that it looks. I love that milk truck outside, the, the bar, old barns, the fields. I came here once for a retreat, um, and uh, someone had brought live sheep. Live sheep, they were out around the field. They, they were to look at, okay, not to eat. Uh, and we read Paul, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And we're reading this as we're looking at this sheep looking so peaceful there. It's beautiful. Now, you're, you're, this building here resembles a barn. And I think that's a great metaphor. It's not a good metaphor for the church, right, because we're not a building, we're a people. But it's a great metaphor for this space, for like what we do here. Um, because uh, on a farm... What do we use the barn for? What do you use the barn for? You, you keep stuff there, right? You, you keep the animals there. You, you keep your tools there. You keep your equipment there. Um, it, it's, uh, maybe, it's basically a storage space, okay? Maybe after the end of a hard day, you come back and you have a hoe down there or whatever people do in, in barns. I remember when I was a kid, I was the only Chinese kid in my class, and, the, and for, for, uh, for, for PE, we did uh, square dancing. And I was like, this is so weird, you know? It's like the only Chinese kid doing square dancing. You could tell I did not pick it up because I don't know what I'm Clearly don't know how to square dance. Um, but is, those are the things you do in a barn, right? But, but where is the work done? Where is the work done? In the field. It's not done in the barn. You come to the barn to get what you need so you can go and do the work in the field. And that's why we come to church. You come here to get what you need so that you can go into the world and do God's work there and be a witness and be a light. That's why we come. And sometimes we come to rest and to party, but primarily we come to get what we need to do the work in the field. And we pray that every week when we come back that we'll have something to show for our labors, that we've been productive and fruitful for God during the week. In other words, we come to church because we are the church. We come to church because we are the church. I come because I'm a member of this body. I don't come for my own sake, not anymore. I come to participate. I come to participate in what God is doing in the world. I come to practice loving other people like God has loved me. I come to be equipped to share the good news of Jesus with my neighbors. And I can't do that if I don't show up and need to be here now there is a time and a place for online church i am so grateful man that over this past year that we had that option 20 years ago that would not have been a thing right so grateful we have that option and for some people that's the only way you can participate in church and some of us don't quite feel safe coming back in person yet i get that totally support that not criticizing that but we also need to remember that we are, God made us to be physical beings with physical bodies, and we need physical community. There are things we can only do when we are physically together in person. And one thing that we learned from this pandemic is that we need physical community. There was a mental health crisis over this past year because when we are not physically together with other people, we suffer mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally. I need to see you. I need to eat with you. I need to hear your voice. I need to see your face. I need to laugh with you. I need to cry with you. I need to serve with you up close. 
And so I come to church to be with my spiritual family and to learn what it means to be a citizen of heaven, to be an agent of the kingdom of God here on earth so I can participate in making earth look more like heaven every day. That's why we gather. And so we come to church because we are the church. But that second question I ask, and we'll get to the end here, is why this church? Why do I come to this church? Why Crosswinds? We join a local church because we believe that God is doing something special in that place, and we want to be a part of it. That's why. And if we don't want to be a part of it, then I would encourage people to find a church where they do want to get involved because God doesn't want any of us kind of sitting on the sidelines watching while other people get to have all the fun making earth look more like heaven. God wants all of his children to participate. Now, I don't know every good thing that's happening here at this church, but I do know Chris and Andrea, and I can tell you they are the real deal. And I can tell you that this is an amazing church. Lives are being changed here. God is doing amazing things through Goodness Village, providing affordable, permanent housing for our unsheltered neighbors. Last year, you provided over 6,500 pounds of, of fresh produce for uh, hungry families through Eden Garden. You're partnering with CityServe and Feed One to minister to people locally and globally. You're planting a church in Hayward. What you're doing through Lead Bold and Andrea is fantastic. It's amazing. You're resourcing other people. You're raising up the next generation of Christ followers through uh, Crosswinds Kids. And two of our four kids are, are in those programs this morning. Why are you a part of this Church, I pray it's because you believe that God is doing something powerful and amazing here and you want to be a part of it. And if you haven't already, jump in. Get involved. God wants to sow the seeds of the gospel in your heart so that you can produce 30, 60, or 100 times what God has invested in you so that you can be a gift to the world. But there's another reason why I think Crosswinds is a very special church. And I want to take the last couple of moments to, to consider the unique role that God has given Crosswinds to play in the Bay Area, what God is doing in the Bay Area and beyond. Now, this is a great church, but you are just one among hundreds of churches in the Bay Area. You are just one of 350,000 churches in America. You are just one of 37 million churches in the world, and thank God for that. Now, this is a map of the world, and all those um, purple countries are places where Christianity is the dominant religion. So I, I may just be just one person, and, and you're just one person, but each of us is part of, uh, of 2.5 billion followers of Jesus on this planet. And that is a potential force for good like nothing that the world has ever seen. But to accomplish God's vision for the kingdom, we need to sign up, we need to show up, we need to work together, we need to be one. The reason we're not doing as much good as we could is because we're not working together a lot of the time. Paul says that in Christ we form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You are not just a member of Crosswinds. You are a member of the big, beautiful, global church. We belong to each other. I belong to you. 
you belong to me. Crosswinds belongs to the other churches in this area, and they belong to you. We are a family. So how do we, how do we act like family? How do we love and how do we serve one another? Let me suggest two things. First of all, belonging to each other means that we are eager to receive what other churches have to share with us. What do we have to learn from the global church? Sometimes we think that our way of being the church is the only way to do it, right? We, uh, we, we come for a one-hour service on Sunday that includes like three songs, uh, a few corny announcements, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I love Chris. Um, and, uh, you know, a 30-minute message and then, and then maybe some coffee and donuts and we go home, right? That is not the only way to do church. Um, I was in uh, a, one of our Samoan churches uh, a little while ago, and they sing for a whole hour, and then they pray for a whole hour, and then the pastor talks for a whole hour. I'm not going to do that today, right? And then they, they eat together for a whole hour. It's like an all-day affair. Um, our Korean churches, a lot of our Korean churches, they get together at 5 o'clock in the morning, Monday to Friday. They go to church and they pray together before they go off to work. Uh, our, our, if you go to any of our, our black urban churches, it's a whole different experience than our white suburban churches. Very different. The preaching, the worship, very different experience. Um, our Latino churches, the way that they express hospitality, is incredible. The way that our Pacific Islander churches understand uh, family, ohana, that sense of community, is completely different. It's so deep and beautiful and meaningful. And so we can learn so much, so much about the global family of God, what it means to be part of the church, through the eyes of people who are not like us, but who love Jesus as much as we do. We can learn so much from them. So we receive from the global church. The other thing I would encourage us to do is to share with the global church, to give. Now, Crosswinds is a much larger and much more affluent church than the majority of the churches in the Bay Area. You have resources that a lot of churches don't have. You've got people and finances and land and buildings and knowledge. 80% of the churches in America are less than 100 people, and 90% are less than 200. So you're like a big dog, right? Um, God must really love small churches because he made a lot of them, right? That's the norm. God loves small churches, and, and we should too. We need churches of, of all shapes and sizes in every language, in every neighborhood, and the vast majority of churches are small, but they are vital. And they are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and making disciples of all nations. And churches like Crosswinds are in a position to support them and to help them and to share with them. And you're doing that. I, again, lead bold. There are not a lot of churches that could, that could put together a conference for all of these women leaders, but you can and you are. It's beautiful. So share. Share generously. God has blessed Crosswinds with abundance. And every time that your pastors say, we want to bless people outside of these walls, Cheer them on, support them, say, yes, that's exactly what we should be doing. Now, I wish I had more time to tell you about some of the creative things that God is doing in our churches. I'd love to tell you about Loving Grace uh, Chinese Church. We launched this church during the pandemic, um, and they're, they've only been in the cloud 
They haven't had any in, uh, physical services, and they've got people joining them from Hong Kong and Canada and Australia and Africa, and we're thinking, oh, man, how do we take these little groups that are in these different places and form uh, communities out of that? I'd like to tell you about Heirloom East Bay. Uh, this is a community of young adults that lives together on a farm in Castro Valley, and they raise chickens and goats, and they, and they sell persimmons, and they hold brunch and dinner church services on the weekends outdoors. It's beautiful. I'd love to tell you about International Christian Center uh, in San Jose. They have services in eight different languages every Sunday. They've been having so many baptisms over the past few months. It's so, so diverse, so beautiful. Maybe I can tell you about these things another, another time. But the church is big. It is so much bigger, so much bigger than what we know, and it is beautiful. And friends, this is your family. This is the church. So back to that question. Are you ready to re-up with Jesus and with the church? I pray that your view of the church got a little bit bigger today. You come to church because we are the church. And I'm betting that you come to Crosswinds because you do believe that God is doing something special here and you want to be a part of it. And I pray that as we come out of this pandemic, that every single one of us says yes to Jesus and yes to the church. I pray that you find your place in what God is doing in the world. We are the church. and We belong to each other. Let's pray as, as our worship team comes to, to sing that song again with us. Give us your heart. Let's pray. God, our, our vision is so limited. Often we just see what's right in front of our face, but you see it all. And you love your church. Jesus, you died for the church. We are part of this global family, this movement of people, of every tribe and every nation and every tongue, and you are making all things new. Heaven is not a place we go to. It's something that you are, are bringing here. And, and every time that we walk into that darkness with the light of the gospel, we change our environment. And so God, I'm I pray that every person here would feel activated today to participate in what you're doing and if they don't know how to do that that they ask you god they ask their pastors they talk to people say how do i get involved what can i do you come to church because we are the church and you send the church into the world every single week we're in jesus we're in in your name we pray amen